In this episode, we are looking into the Enneagram personality test. We look at the history of it, what this test really explores, and talk a bit about our experiences taking this test. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jamie, want to talk about Enneagram today? I would love to, yes. I would like to start by saying that my whole entire life, I have said this wrong. (laughs) Same. I think, I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced correctly, to be honest. Yeah. I always hear people say Enneagram. So if you've heard that guys, this is what this is. And in researching it, Jamie and I found out that it's actually pronounced Enneagram. Who knew? Who knew? But that's what we're talking about today. Yep. So... Let's start with what it is. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So it's basically a personality test designed to help you understand yourself and other people. Cool. We like that. Love it. Yeah. So it's based on numbers. So you take the test and you get a number like one through nine. And so whatever you might hear people say like, oh, I'm an eight or I'm a three or whatever. They're they're most likely referring to their Enneagram, if that's what they're saying. Right. Exactly. So I found this description on a website and I thought it was pretty good. So I I figured I'd read it to you. It says that this is a system of personality typing that describes patterns in how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. Perfect. I think that nails. Really cool. Okay. So let's take the word Enneagram for a minute. And Ennea, E-N-N-E-A, is the Greek word for nine. So as we said before, there's nine numbers. Oh, well, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And grandma is the Greek word for something written or drawn. Oh, cool. So the Enneagram is based on a shape. So when you hear Enneagram, and I'm going to get into some of the confusing parts in a minute, when you hear that, sometimes it's used in different contexts because that refers to this sort of like nine piece shape. Yeah. It's almost like a pie chart. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like a pentagram, like a a pentacle, you know, where there's the circle and then inside it's almost like a star. It's sort of like that, the shape. And I'll put, I'll put this in the show notes, guys, if you want to go and look at it. Um, It's just like, there's no bottom to it, but that's, that's kind of, that's what this is referring to is that shape. Yep. Now the, (laughs) the roots of this are, weird kind of unclear and disputed like when you go onto different websites and stuff people say and claim different things when it comes to like the history of how this was created yeah and I think the results are actually really different depending on where you take them absolutely and we're going to talk about that because both Jamie and I did this um and so we want to we want to talk about that because we both got different numbers on all the different tests we took (laughs) yeah like across the board different Yes. Um, So what I did find that like of all the websites I went on, what they mostly agreed on was that some of the roots come from something called Sufism. It's spelled S-U-F-I-S-M. I I could not find how to pronounce that word, but that's basically mysticism and Islam. Yeah. Sufism. Sufism. Okay, perfect. Um, And then esoteric Christianity. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's also had this like modern input into Christianity. So if you do see it becoming kind of like trendy in like Christian circles, um, there was about like five or six years ago, there was like the church was kind of bringing it in because it does have some Christian roots. Um, Some churches are very against things like this and some are open to it, but you will see little pockets of it popping up in those communities. Well, that explains a lot, actually. Does it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I know, like, there are some Christian girls that I know that that's, they post a lot of Enneagram related content, like about what their number is. Now that makes a lot of sense to me, because I always thought that a lot of Christianity didn't like those sort of outsider input things. But that makes sense now that you say that. Mm -hmm. So some do, some don't. Some are super into it. Some aren't. Um, There's the connection with the tree of life that a lot of people point to because there's the nine foldedness in the tree of life. So that same number and the nine points. So I wanted to to mention that piece too. So some, the number nine and sort of looking at this kind of stuff 
um, and, and picking nine points is something that's very ancient. I think we should also like draw attention to the fact that, um, and we're going to talk about this in next week's episode about how many times we do things like this. And we have absolutely no idea like what the root or the background of it is. Like I've taken Enneagram tests before and I've never even taken the time to look into like where it's coming from or what it's rooted in. And this is, we should know, we should know this. Yeah, I think it's something that we need to um, all sort of be aware of and bring into sort of spiritual holistic things that's kind of missing, um, because that's where a lot of like cultural appropriation comes from. That's where like when we talked about grab avoid codes last week, mm-hmm. we have set a lot of people on TikTok with that one. People are very upset about the grab avoid episode. But again, like if you don't look into the stuff you're promoting, it becomes hard. So not being preachy because we all, we all can be better at it, but yeah, I think, I think we need to take some more accountability for that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I said that like from a personal perspective, like I, I've done this and I've like never would have considered it was like related to the tree of life or like certain branches of Christianity. Like that's on me for not looking into that. I think also though you, I'm going to give you a slight pass. Okay. Only because it's not like you were going out and promoting it, and no, right. that's where I think you gotta you gotta take in the responsibility. It's smart to do it for yourself, right? Sure, but if you're gonna go out and then tell people to do something like an enneagram or the grab of white codes, right. you want to right. have looked into it first. That's exactly. that's where I think that should come in. Agreed. So. Along the lines here of like it being kind of disputed where this comes from, I figured I'd mention the three main names that I found that seem really influential in this. Okay. If, if you go to different websites, you will see other names that I have not mentioned, but there are so many. Like at one point, my notes were up to 15 different people involved claiming involvement in the Enneagram. So what I'm going to say is it's clearly an idea that started and then like students of that went out and sort of made their own variation of it and brought it into different kind of circles. So that's what happened with this, which is what makes it difficult. Like when you're trying to find a test or something, because you don't know what sort of Enneagram circle you're coming from. I think it's good to look at the Enneagram test as just like a, in general personality test and depending on where you take it like different sites will call it um a different name it'll say like the um jimmy hayhurst enneagram test like so keep in mind that's why it's not uniform okay gotcha okay so some of the names i wanted to mention are george gurdjieff and he was a russian mystic who was introduced to it in a monastery in afghanistan in the 1920s Wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting, right? Yeah. Very. Um, Oscar Ichazo, I C H A Z O. Yep. Um, he's a Bolivian-born um, man, and he's the founder of something called the Arica School. I looked that up. It looks pretty popular and well known. I had never heard of it. Um, and he is taught Enneagram there, or he did. He's. I don't think he's with us anymore. But he really brought that in in the sixties, the nineteen sixties. Um, And then Claudio Naranjo. So he is a a Chilean psychiatrist who brought it into modern psychology. Okay. So I had always heard of it like in psychology, psychological terms. I've heard it psychological terms. Yes. And then also like, it seems to be kind of trendy, like for your work community, like for everyone to take the test, almost like Myers-Briggs-esque. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, So now I thought, before I like really get in and describe a lot of the stuff, I thought we could talk about our experience with the test. And then what I'd like to do is kind of explain um, what the test is looking at and, and doing for you. And in addition, like how there's a lot of these Enneagrams, there's additional tests you can go to take to get more information. Okay. Um, But our, we both had a very similar experience when we tried to do this. So before I even describe this, because I'm afraid when I talk about it, it's going to sound a little bit negative. <laughs> I just want to say, I like the idea of tests like this. I'm, I love it. I love I'm it. Down for it. And I totally think you should go and try it. And I'm going to put some different links in the show notes for where Jamie and I found some different tests that you can go take. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find free ones. I did both free and I did pay for one. Um, 
the one I paid for had more info in it. Again, maybe right. take a free one first and see how you feel. Um, but I just want to say, I'm not saying these are bad and that you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, I'm going to tell you my experience and I know it's going to come across like it didn't go super well for me. So mm-hmm. like, that's my little asterisk before I talk. About it. Well, I sort of have the same thing actually. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we're not going to be presenting it super optimistically. Yes. But I think we both are saying, go take it and check it out because it, I think some people will really like it. Yeah. And I think that like my caveat is that like, I'm the type of person that um, I'm always looking into this sort of stuff for myself. Um, But I'm also always the type of person that's like perpetually doing work on myself. So I'm always changing. So I think that like my results a year ago or five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, I would have been a completely different person. And I can even like, as I'm taking the Enneagram quiz and answering the questions, I'm like, well, I would do this for one thing, but I would do that for another thing. Like if I was with this person, I would say, absolutely. If I was, you know, at this place, I would say definitely not. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I have the same experience. So every test I took, I got a different number. (laughs) Me too. I did too. And on every single one. So what what it does is like you take the test And then you're given, of the numbers, you're given like a percentage for like how high you scored on each number. Right. So for example, on one of the tests I took, I got like 99% for number three. But that sounds great. Like, oh, I'm totally a three. But then I looked and then there were, I think it was like eight and seven that were... 92% 92% each. <laughs> like, oh, see, mine were even closer. I got a four and I was 97%. And then the other two numbers were 96 and 95. So they were literally 1% off from each other. Right. So that makes it hard because, I, and I, when I was reading the descriptions, I didn't feel way more drawn to one than the other. So it was tough. And then when I would take a test on a different website, I would get a different number. So I got a three on one. I got an eight on another, like yeah. six on another one. You know what I mean? So that makes it really difficult. Now, what I would say if you're doing that and that's happening is like pick the one that you you like connect with the most and go with that. But I had some trouble, but, and I know you did too. Well, and I, I took mine I took two tests on the same website <laughs> and I scored two different things, but I was noticing as I was taking it the second time, like I didn't answer this the first time. Like my answers like, between two, like two days apart, my responses were changing. Um, yes. And that might be a problem with like an intuitive person. That might be a problem with um, someone who, does like a lot of different things. Like my life, I do like very different things in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, to your point, I identify with every single, all three that I like scored highest with each separate time. I identify with all three of them. Exactly. If I was to take this test 10, 15 years ago, before I had really started on this self-discovery, self-work yep. journey, I think that this test would have really connected with me and that I would have had a much clearer answer. Yeah. And I think it would have been like really helpful to have that then too, to have this as sort of like this look into who I was. Yes. I love any tool that you have in your toolbox to discover yourself. So that's my guess. I would love listener feedback about that. Like, Did you really connect with it? And if you did, where were you on your journey when you, you first tried it? Like, where are you now? Like, does, does this theory pan out (laughs) that maybe if you're more at the beginning of this, I think when you've done the work and asked yourself a lot of these questions and and done some, some improving on things um, or some growth, I think that it, it makes your answers be kind of like all across the board a bit more because it's like, Oh, in this situation, like you were saying before, I actually would do that really well. So it, it, not that it skews it, but it, it it makes it harder to get a read. I think. I agree. And I also, I think that there are some times where like, sometimes as much as we want to know things about ourselves, sometimes it's hard to then like live inside of that box. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I love looking into all of this stuff. But like, it seems that no matter how hard 
I look and try to like understand myself, there's always some sort of an obstacle with that for me. Like with this, I got the first answer and I read it and I was like, oh, and I think maybe the website I was on, it was just written sort of like harshly, but I was like mm-hmm. I was almost offended by it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not like really that bad of a person, but even like, <laughs> like even some of my astrology stuff, it's sometimes it's hard to like, you think you're one way. Like I thought for sure I'd be like, Gryffindor house when I took the Harry Potter quiz and I'm, I'm Slytherin, you know, we have to look at ourselves, but that's how these things help. Exactly. And if you guys have not done your natal chart, like the full natal chart, do it. it. You can go, I'll put these in the show notes too, but you can go on to cafe astrology has a free natal chart that you can save, you can print. And then you and I both like the sanctuary app on your phone. You do have to pay for it. I think it's like $7 or something. It's a one-time fee. Um, but it's worth it if you want to, if someone asks you like what your rising is and you can't remember <laughs> me, um, <laughs> smart to have. Well, and I think that probably we should do an episode on like the natal chart and what it really pertains, like what it includes. But if, if you're just talking about your sun sign, like th- which is all we really talk about in this society, you're missing so much of like a look into yourself. Like you really need to know your rising sign. You really need to know your moon sign. And I had one of those moments when I found out my rising sign, I was like, no. <laughs> and it, and it, I was so resistant to it. And then like, once I read about it and learned it, it was literally life-changing. Yes. Which is hilarious because with my rising sign, I, I blank I out. Remember it. Yeah. I forget what it is. I, I have to literally text Jamie and be like, what is it again? And then when I told you what it was and I was like, oh, I don't really identify with it because it has the word nurturer. And you were like, you don't know who you are. <laughs> you don't see yourself. <laughs> Which is exactly why we do these quizzes is why we do the Enneagram. So we can like look like introspectively at ourselves. Exactly. So if you're doing the Enneagram or you're doing your natal chart and you're not connecting with it, maybe like ask somebody who knows you really well to see what they think too, because then they'll, they might have a reaction like Jamie to me or Jamie to herself. Actually, your rising sign is perfect for you. It's it's kind of in the way it's worded. Sometimes things sound like a little bit more aggressive than maybe what they are. So same with this. Like if you write a description, and you're like, ew, try a different website. There's so many. Yeah. I mean, I got four, which is like the individualist. And mm-hmm. one that I read made me sound like this self-deprecating, sullen hermit who doesn't, who like thinks everyone hates them. And then I was like, wait a minute. This is my like Lydia Dietz moment. Like yes. Lydia Dietz from Beetlejuice. Like this sort of like artsy weirdo energy like yeah that's me but I had to have it framed the right way for me to get it yeah you're not like a grouchy hermit no you just are like a a creative individual witchy person who like being around people you only have so much space for (laughs) right frame it like that and I'm on board (laughs) I love it maybe they should put just characters in instead exactly Same for the Enneagram, like show me a a famous movie character that is me or like a Disney princess that represents this. I can like digest that better. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about these personality type numbers that you're getting. Okay. Um, So I took the Riso Hudson Enneagram type indicator. That's the one that I took a bunch of them, but that's the one that like, I was like, okay, this has the most money. That's the one I paid for. Okay, That's on the Enneagram Institute um, website. So again, we'll put all the stuff in the, yeah. in the show notes for you guys. But I, again, every site I took it on, I got a different number, but on this one, I happen to be a three. Um, is this the one that were you, you were a four on which one? I was a four and a two on Truity. Okay. Yes, I did Truity also, and I was an eight on Truity. So, jeez, oh, I know. But like, <laughs> what they say is that no, no one of these numbers is better than the other. Like, it's not like a numerical value. Like, one is the lowest and nine is the highest. Right. It's nothing like that. No. Um, and it does say that people don't change. Like, this is a dominant type that you're born with. So I don't know how much I agree with that. Maybe you are born with it, but maybe like as you go through life and experience, like 
difficult things, you maybe move away from that and then come back to it. Maybe that I could get behind, but I don't think it would stay the same number your whole life. No, I absolutely disagree with that. Okay. What's three? What, what, what is three? Three is the achiever. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. All right. I'll tell you what each of the numbers, the name is in a really brief description. That's funny. See, ask your friend. Like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So number one is the reformer. So, it, but I got that, and the, the site I was on said it was the perfectionist, and I was like a little like offended about it. Yeah, again, <laughs> that's one of those terms that's not great, you know. Right. So this is like principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and then it does say perfectionist in the description. Um, I wouldn't describe you as that. No, principled, yes, yes, self-controlled, yes. Um, unless there's those poppable chips in front of you, you have wonderful self-control all the time. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but like the rest of it, no. But again, I can see some traits. And yeah. I think this is a good time to point out too that it it is like everybody has all of these, but this yeah. is like your dominant. And I would not pick that for your dominant. Number two is the helper. So that's generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. See, I got that one too. Don't put possessive and people pleasing. I mean, I am a little people pleasing, but possessive, geez. Possessive, no. Uh, protective, yes. And demonstrative, yes. Like, yes. so you, you just like, you got to go into it with an open mind. You can't just be mad about the whole thing the whole time. Agreed. I think that if I had taken this test in my early 20s, I would have got the helper. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, number three is the achiever. The one you laughed at when I was like, Oh, I'm not sure. Um, that's the one I got on this particular test. And that is, um, adaptable, excelling, excelling, driven and image conscious. I can get behind that description. Yep. Of mine. I can too. Okay. Number four is the individualist. That's me. Okay. Expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed and temperamental is the description. <laughs> See? Yeah, no, the, the individualist of that, just that title is yes, you. Right. Absolutely. Expressive. Yes. The rest, you're not dramatic. You're not. You like, I'm sorry. You're not. My reaction to it is a little dramatic. About <laughs> that. Like I am a little defensive about it. Yeah. Defensive and dramatic are different. <laughs> Number five is the investigator. This okay. is more. I actually thought you and I might get this one when I wrote you. And this is perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Oh, that could be me too. I also feel like depending on the day of my cycle, <laughs> it might change. Well, that's interesting. Maybe you should take the test like once a week for a month to see how it changes. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yes. Okay. Um, number six is the loyalist, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. I could be that too. I think you're right. I think we all have these parts of ourselves. Yes. Number seven is the enthusiast, spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive, and scattered. I can think of like four people that pop into my head when I read that one. Right. But I think they, it's obviously the trend is to put like a couple positive adjectives and a couple maybe not so great adjectives. Yeah. Like sneak the bad ones at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Number eight is the challenger, self-confident, decisive, willful, uh, and confrontational. I got number eight on the truity test. Yes. But self, yeah. again, if I had taken that a few years ago, that right. I, I would have got that. Right. Uh, that's only coming up because of work on myself. So just interesting to point out, I think. Agreed. And then number nine, the last one is the peacemaker, receptive, uh, reassuring, complacent, and resigned. Interesting. I, that one was the lowest for me. And I know exactly where I hit it because there are questions that ask you, like, are you willing to speak up when no one else wants to? And I was like, absolutely. I'll be the loud mouth. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm after not the you, speaker, I guess. After you take the test a few times, you start to see in the questions, which, right. which might skew what you're doing too. But yeah, I was noticing that too, because there would be like, will you um, like swallow your own stuff and be quiet around people? And my, my answer was like, not anymore, but I certainly would have answered differently 
again, in my twenties, I would have, I would have been like, absolutely. (laughs) Right. And I do think it's important to note too, that like I took two different tests. One of them I took twice, but all these tests, the questions are not the same. Like they have the same themes, but the questions aren't the same. And you don't even have the same options for each test. Like one of the tests I took, you had to choose one of four options, like on a scale. And the other test I took only was three, three options. The one that I paid for um, only had two options. There was 144 questions, but you could only choose from two options and they were very specific. And then some of the other ones I took, you were answering like somewhat very, like, do you know what I mean? Like there was a scale with the bubbles. So all different. And again, that can skew your answers. Cause I was, I was clicking that middle, like wishy-washy button a lot. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that depends on who's the maker of that test. Like that's the different sort of like lineages. If you're thinking of like sort of in terms of like Reiki, Mm -hmm. you know, that the creator would make that would impact that. Exactly. So you have to remember that when you're taking these, they're all based on whoever created them, like a version of how they feel these nine are and how those questions would um, indicate what your dominant um, personality type is. Right. We'll be right back after this short break. You guys have heard our ad for Restoration Coffee. So we thought we'd do a quick Restoration Coffee Real Talk or Resto Real Talk. What do you think, Jay? Well, I mean, I love Real Talks. (laughs) I love Restoration Coffee. So this is really like where where I live. Yeah, it's it's a good lane for us. (laughs) This is my lane. (laughs) Well, the first thing that I love about Resto that I think everyone needs to know, here in Massachusetts where we live, there are a ton of coffee shops, but there aren't actually a ton of great coffee shops. Resto is a great coffee shop. The baristas know what they're doing. They know what they're making. They understand the science of it. They're not just like pushing buttons and coffees dumping out. They're really making excellent high quality coffee. They are. They're the best. So good. And then the, beyond the baristas and what you're getting, you can also get the beans. Yes. And oh my God, it's the best coffee, don't you think? Yeah. And like they're roasted themselves. Resto roasts their own beans. They're ethically sourced. They're not dunked in syrup or whatever happens to make like crazy flavors. Like they're really great, high quality, high end beans that you're getting. And you don't even have to be from around here to get them. You can order them from wherever and they'll ship them to you. And then the other thing I realized after going there so much was that a lot of places offer vegan or gluten-free or dairy-free stuff. And whenever I see it, I'm always like, "Mm, I don't know if I want that. When I go to to Resto, a lot of times I order things and they're already gluten-free and dairy-free and I don't know it. And they're delicious. Like they're just so good. It's so good. Even if you don't have a reason for needing to not have that stuff, have it. It's delicious and you'll feel great after you eat it. Yeah. So it's like this magical blend of taking care of people that need certain dietary help, but also making it really delicious too. Exactly. All right. I'm sold. Let's go. Let's go to Resto. So the numbers are broken down into three different centers. So numbers two, three, and four are in the feeling center. Oh, five, six, and seven are considered the thinking center and numbers eight, nine, and one are the instinctive center. So that would indicate like your unique strength. So obviously two, threes, and fours like feelings, five, six, and sevens, there are the thinkers and eight, nines, and ones are the instinctives. Interesting. So I got two feelers and one instinctive. That's very interesting. This I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this in a second. But this goes into a theory that I created once I read this part. Oh, let's hear it. And that is (laughs) that I think there is this new-ish sort of wave of people. And we um, we could be that second wave of indigos. If you haven't listened to the Indigo Crystal Rainbow episode, go back. That's super, especially if you love a personality test, you'll love that episode. Yep. Um, where you are starting to find the, this group of people, I'm going to say more women, I notice it in the men, but I don't think it's exclusive to women, um, that are both very intellectual and very emotional and very intuitive. Yes. 
And I don't, I think that's relatively like a new archetype. So like we can't test well on these is what you're saying. I don't think we do very well on the Enneagrams. Like I wish we could ask all the Enneagram makers to also have people mark if they're an indigo crystal rainbow, like their birthday or something, because I think that would be interesting to know because I think first wave indigos would be on here getting the instinctive center. No problem. Yeah. Second waves are coming in and we're coming too high on all of those because we're that's shifting. Right. I think that's a great theory, Heather. Thanks. Love it. Put it on my list of theories. Then you have a running list. <laughs> put it on your certification list. There you go. When you're looking at these centers, when you look at your emotional response to, to like your loss of contact with your core self, like who you really are. The instinctive center, they say, reacts to that with anger and rage. Okay. So does that make sense what I'm saying? Like when you get away from yourself. Yes. From who you really are, your authentic self. They act with anger and rage. The feeling center goes into shame and the thinking center goes into fear. Interesting. So you experience all three of those when you get sort of separated from your own self, but depending on which center you have would be the like sort of main one that you would experience. Wow. And I want to say, I got all of this on the Enneagram Institute website, which Mm -hmm. I will, I will put on the show in the show notes, but I wanted to tell you that's where I got this. So how each person, how each type copes with its dominant emotion of its center is also information you can look up. Okay. So if you are an eight, you physically, so remember eights are the instinctive center. Okay. So eight, nines, and one are instinctive center. So they are like the anger rage is their reaction when they get separated from their, their authentic. Yeah. So eights would physically act out their anger. So they would give themselves permission, permission to, to act out their anger They let it out. They're like the temper tantrums or like go for a run or scream into a pillow people. They're really good at allowing it. And then they move on. Okay. Nines deny their anger and often feel threatened by it, like threatened by their own anger. So they try to like avoid those kinds of feelings and focus on like how they wish they felt. Okay. Those, I think it's interesting to note that that's like a really great description of toxic positivity. Yes, it is. So if you are a nine, I would say like, be careful that you don't fall into those traps. Cause I would say you're more susceptible to, you know, buying into something or, or hearing something with toxic positivity that could be more harmful to you than better. Right. Cause you don't want to look at what's really triggering you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Ones try to control or repress their anger and they have a really highly developed inner critic. Oh, well that that tracks for me and I got one one, one of mine it tracks for me too. And I don't have like, I never scored a one Yeah. Um, again, all of them are going to track, but I would like to say, I think my inner critic could fight just about anybody's and win. It's like, Oh yeah. Mine's like a heavyweight champ. <laughs> okay. So the two threes and fours, those are the feeling centers. Uh-huh. So that's shame. Okay. When you get separated from your authentic self, shame is the thing that you're dealing with the most. So twos try to control their shame by getting other people to like them and think of them as good people. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. I can confirm. Been there. Done that. Done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Threes deny their shame and try to become their own definition of a successful person. So they, they're like, if, if, let's say back in the day, their mom said like, this is what makes a successful person when they feel shame, they're going to work really hard to be that to sort of overcome it. Gotcha. Interesting. I definitely see people do that. Definitely. Um, And then number four, they try to control their shame by highlighting their individuality and creativity. Uh, Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Also can confirm. I, if I'm looking at that for you, I would say check. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then, you know, for me, I scored a three in the denying it by trying to be like a successful person. I would say that that, that definitely tracks for me, maybe more so a few years ago than now, but I can definitely connect with that. Yep. 
Okay. And then um, let's see, where are we? Oh, the thinking center. So five, six, and sevens. So again, their fear is the thing that they're dealing with. Um, so fives tend to cope with fear by withdrawing from the world. Okay. So hermit. Bye. Right. See you like later. Light. Yeah. And their main fear is like the outer world, not so much the inner world. They're comfy there. It's like everything outside of there. Okay. I feel like maybe that might be all of us in 2021, but whatever. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sixes are largely anxious um, and they exhibit their fear and they tend to turn to philosophies, beliefs, relationships, jobs, authorities, because they don't trust their own minds and decision-making. Okay. Sounds like ripe for cults to me. Just again, if you haven't listened to our occult episode, go ahead. And if you're a sick, please tell us if you've ever been indoctrinated to some kind of a cult. Yeah, exactly. Or something just a little bit culty. Exactly. And then sevens have a fear of their inner world. And so they avoid that by trying to keep their mind distracted. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So also on the Enneagram, you have something called wings. I've, I read that like in, like when the websites were doing like the upsell to do the, to pay for the complete report, they were talking about wings. Yes. So these are like the two types that are adjacent to your dominant personality type. So on on that shape, you would see it. And it's not exactly like, oh, I'm a nine. So it's, you know, a one and an eight, like, yeah, but like, remember, it's a circle. So you want to look to actually know these things. Okay. Um, and they, they say that whichever one of those you connect with more, whichever one of the two wings you would have is the one to go with. Okay. However, some, some places say two wings, like some people have two wings. Some people have one. Another thing I read said some people develop their second wing at some point in their life. Okay. All different across the board. So I think just look at your wings and see what you connect with. Right. Um, and this is more like you can take a test to do it, but this is more like suggested that somebody would observe you and tell you this. So they have people that do like administer Enneagram. So you're not like online taking a test. So this oh. is something that if you're going to do this part, I would suggest maybe doing that. Okay. The other thing is um, levels of development. This is mentioned in your report if you get it and you're reading through it. Um, not every website that I looked at when you get your number includes this. Okay. Okay. Again, it could be an upsell or when I, when I did the paid for version, which was $12, it did have this. Okay. Okay. So this element of, of the Enneagram was introduced in, into it in the seventies. So this is an add on Okay. kind of took off in the nineties. Okay. But again, it depends on the, the sort of channel that you're going in, like what like branch of Enneagram you're doing this with, if they include this. Right. But the idea is that like within your description of your numbers, you would also get um, a level. So level one, two, and three are considered healthy levels. Um, Levels four, five, and six are considered average. And levels seven, eight, and nine are considered unhealthy. So it's confusing because they're using the one through nine again. This is not your personality type is one of these things. It's in the description they're talking about different things and they'd say, you'd be a one in here. You'd be a four in this. You'd be oh, okay. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. So it's like a lot more in depth. Yeah. So in the healthy numbers, level one is your, is the level of liberation. Level two is the level of psychology. Level three is the level of social value. So they're going in and saying where you are. Okay. Um, level four is the level of imbalance in like your social role. The level, level five is, um, impersonal control. Level six is overcompensation. Level seven is violation. Level eight is obsession and compulsion. And level nine is destructiveness. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so again, in your report, it would note this and would note the numbers if this is a part of it. So when I was reading mine, it was like, Okay, so in this in relationships, you would um, when you're like feeling good and not in a place of fear, you would be a level three. But if you were experiencing this, you would drop down to a level five. Like, do you know what I mean? That's right. what's yeah. included in there. 
I wonder if how many people that like love the Enneagram, I wonder if they're going this deep in it or do they just get like, I'm a four and they, they run with that. I don't know the answer to that because people who I have heard talk about Enneagram only talk about their one number. I don't hear them talk about this, but it's much more complicated. So I'm not sure if they know it and just aren't talking about that. I don't, I don't know. Exactly. Um, I got to tell you in the report I got when I was reading through this stuff, none of it was like, Oh, that's me. Ooh. Yeah, totally. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, could it be some of the parts like we were talking about before where I wasn't identifying maybe. Right. Um, but you're also using terms like level of liberation and like, that doesn't necessarily trigger. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, then for each type, there is, um, it's called directions of integration and disintegration. Okay. And it's basically your reaction or your experience in a state of growth or your experience in a state of stress. Okay. So if you're looking at that Enneagram shape, the lines that run so that there's like the points and then there's lines, this oh, yeah. lines part of the shape. Okay. So like for me, it said, in my one that where I got a three, it said under stress, you act like an average nine oh, okay. or five or six in like how a nine would react. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of complicated. So I don't think people are doing all that. I don't think so either. When you're secure, feeling secure, you go to an average six. Um, when you experience growth, you act like a healthy six. Like that's the kind of language put in there. It's very difficult to navigate in my opinion. Yeah. It sounds pretty complicated. Yeah. There's also something called the three instincts in this. Um, and I did not do this cause you had to purchase an additional test for this. Okay. Um, but it explains to you your self-preservation instinct, your sexual instinct, and your social instinct based on your Enneagram numbers. That's a lot of info. So you put your number, I believe you put your number in, but then you also take another test to like get that. So the self-preservation instinct is like um, your safety, comfort, healthy, like how you protect that. Your right. sexual instinct is um, your drive for stimulation and your social instinct is um, your need to serve others in social situations. So you would be told like which one of those three was your dominant instinct type. Okay. Um, I can, by reading it, I'm going to say social for me. I don't know what you would pick, but I don't know. I don't need a test. <laughs> I will be in a social situation and I will try to control and serve in that situation no matter what's happening. <laughs> right. Exactly. So there you go. Um, there's also additional things that you can do in Enneagram for relationships. So you can click like, okay, let's say you got a three, they would let you go down to three and then underneath it would say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So you could click that. So say I wanted to see how I would get along with you if you were a four, Oh, click four under my three and it would say what our relationship strengths would be and what our weaknesses would be. See, people love that. That's just like doing astrological signs. Like how do cancers mix with Scorpios? Like people love that. Yeah. Super cool. I went on, I clicked around a bunch. Um, obviously you have to know other people's numbers. Right. Um, but yeah, so cool part of it. Again, I look at this as sort of like, see if you connect with it, but either way it's fun. And most of these things are free. So go try it and see what you think. Yeah. And now that I've taken these tests again, I get why people love them on social media. Cause then you like, you see different memes of your number and it's something that you can like very quickly identify with or relate to and like, feel like you're seen or feel like something like validated in some small way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I like that. That's, that's like a really terrific segue to, I wanted to talk just about like why we really like personality tests and like mm-hmm. quizzes, like why right. we're super drawn to that. And it, one of the big reasons for that is exactly what you said. Um, people really like to feel seen, but it, it, it goes beyond that too. Like, I don't know if I see a quiz and it's like, what's your jungle animal? I want to take that. And I want to tell you yeah, like, what breakfast food are you? And I'm like, yeah, I must I'm take in. a quiz. 10 minutes down the drain. Let's go. Like, yeah, right. I'm totally into that. I think it's just human nature. Um, 
so yeah, we like to be seen. Um, we also really feel comforted as human beings by explanations of like why we're struggling or why we're succeeding. That feels really good. Yes. If you can say, oh, I'm struggling with this because I'm such a three. That feels good. That's nice. Yeah. It takes like some of the mystery and the burden off of you when you're like, okay, this, this makes sense. Like it, it makes sense of things that are struggles or are hard for you. One of the things that I feel like is such a helpful tool when you, you learn about yourself is to become comfortable and not have a lot of shame around really knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are. Like, honestly, like being comfortable being like, Oh, that's not a strength for me, but you know, what is this? So how do I bring this to the table? That of all of the self-help things that I have ever done, getting to a point of feeling that way is by far the best tool in my toolbox as far as being a confident person. So I, I really do, really do like that. So if this provides you with some of that, that's amazing. Agreed. And I'm going to say something I think is kind of weird, but I really believe it's true that there's some sort of like root chakra fight, flight, freeze response thing about being able to categorize everybody and everything. Like it, I think it feels safe to us when we can say like, this is me and I do this because of X and that person's that way because of Y. It, it helps you compartmentalize everything and it helps you make sense of the world. Yeah. I think that's like our ancient caveman brain a little bit, right? Those, those old yeah. instincts of like, you know, is this someone who's part of my village? What do they do in this village? Is this someone from a different, I know tribe's not the best word, but I think it might apply here. It might be okay. But do you know what I'm saying? I think it might come back to that of putting everything in sort of a category to feel safe. I agree. I also think that people are really complex. And when you can simplify who you are or who other people are, I think that feels good. And I also think that we all just want to understand each other. And I, I think that's great. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. It really is that simple, like understanding yourself, then understanding someone else, and then understanding how you and that person interact is even more powerful. Agreed. I think that's why we like astrology. We like things like yeah. this. I read like a little meme once one time that said um, people who are super into astrology um, are the kids who are misunderstood. Yes. And I was like, you know, I almost got a little triggered doing the Enneagram being like, of course I wouldn't fit into any box. Like I felt that old script coming up because my whole life I've never felt like I've, I fit into a box the right way. And I, I used to not like that. I'm cool with it, but I could still feel that response when like I wasn't getting a, a number or it wasn't the same. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think that's an interesting thing to add. It's like what we talked about in the difficult woman episode that like you feel like you're presenting in one way and then you're perceived completely differently. Um, So if you can do a test like this, it can really help you understand what other people might be seeing about you. Yeah. And I think that's always a good thing. Yeah. A few of the things I'd like to add in, I found this piece of information super interesting and I was like, this will be great to say on the podcast. And then I was like, wait, would other people find this interesting? So <laughs> you can <laughs> gauge this, Jamie. Um, in 460 BC, Hippocrates suggest, suggested that humans had a persona and that they, that was their personality with four distinct temperaments. So Way back then, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest brains of that time was looking into putting people into personality types. I think that's very interesting. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. Telling my kids that and my husband didn't get a great reaction, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, it proves that humans are have always been looking to do that, to always look introspectively and look at and to categorize. We've always wanted that. Exactly right. So so there's so many personality tests out there. There are so many. Um, A few that I have, when I was telling people I was doing Enneagram, um, there are three of these that people brought up thinking that that's what I was talking about or being like, oh, when people say the numbers, are they talking about this? So I figured I'd mention those three tests on here. One is the color code. 
So the color code test divides you, your personalities into four colors. So you're either a red, blue, white, or yellow. I've never heard of this before in my life. Me neither. And two different people, when I said Enneagram, were like, oh, the one where you get a color? And I was like, what? Oh. Yeah. And then the other is called career hunter. And that's like your work personalities. So I think that um, people, a lot of people are seeing Enneagram being used in the workplace, but there's a separate test called career hunter. That's actually very popular too, to get like what your work personality is. Super cool. I played around with that one a little bit. Oh, interesting. And then there's Myers-Briggs, which I feel like is the most famous personality test. Um, and that's like your psychological type. So I don't know I see people calling themselves like INFJs a lot. That's from the Myers-Briggs. That's what my daughter thought it was. She was like, is, is this the INF whatever, whatever one? And I was like, no. No, it's not. Now, I just, because we are who we are, <laughs> I have to say that it's, I learned about this recently. I was going to say it recently came out, but that could just be like a white privilege thing. Um, that Isabel Briars Mig, uh, Isabel Briar Briggs Myers. I'll get the name right. So her and her mother made this test. She wrote an incredibly racist novel. Also, oh really? I did not know that until recently. Again, that could be privilege. That could be something that people knew. But I'm just I'm just throwing that in there. I'm not saying like like let's not do this test anymore. But I am saying like mm, I wonder how representative it is then of other cultures and other people besides white people. I don't know. Right, just like just like you hear people talking about all these standardized tests that are are sort of unfair to people of color because they live different lives in different cultures, and we can't all be tested the same way when we live when we're, we are systemically treated differently. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that in. Um, I thought that was interesting, but that's, that's all my facts for Enneagram and personality quizzes and all that stuff. What do you think, Jay? I mean, I love it. I, and I would love to hear what people think about this. Cause I bet that we have some listeners that love this and I would love to hear like what your number is and why you love it so much. Um, because I think it's really interesting. Yes. Maybe we can put something out um, on our Instagram or something where, you know, you can say what your number was and we can sort of post our listeners percentages or something like that. Um, But also just write in and tell us your experience. Did you have like the same experience as Jamie and I, or did you get like a really clear one that like described you well and was super helpful? Like, I would like to know all of that because I believe all those experiences exist. Yeah, I think they do too. I think that they're just as individualized as people are. So I, I want to hear about all of it. Awesome. So let us know. Um, and yeah, you can go through our website. You can email us. You can message us on, on social media. And you can always go in and leave an audio clip. And um, we would love to hear from you. Definitely. Please do. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. All right. Bye. Thank you. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode for show notes and a place to send feedback. Please visit our website embodylove.me slash intuitive girls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitive girls.